We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. But before Good Friday's cross, we get the hopeful sign of the transfiguration. We get it each year on this week, don't we? The second Sunday of Lent, Matthew, Mark, and Luke seem to take turns each year telling their version of the story, and this is Luke's turn. Something significant that Luke records that the others skip over I'd like to share with you today, because they all include Jesus being glorified on the mountain. They've all got Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets. They've all included Peter, James, and John, those same three apostles that will be with Jesus in the garden during his agony. But only Luke notes this. Where is it? Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep. Can you imagine that? First of all, why would Luke include that? Surely not putting our first pope in a very good light. But why? You can imagine. When they awoke, Jesus glorified Moses and Elijah there, the boys from on high. If you thought it was a lot getting up this morning, imagine how much it was for them waking up then. Now, tradition tells us that Luke was a physician. Whatever a physician in the first century meant, surely he was aware of the concerns of the physical body. So maybe Luke was pointing out that these tough fishermen turned apostles were getting fat and lazy. Maybe. Maybe too much of the multiplied loaves and too much of the water turned into wine. Maybe they were a little out of shape. And Dr. Luke didn't mind pointing that out, kind of the way a couple years ago Pope Francis's doctor told him to uh, lay off some of the pasta. I don't know. Maybe it was that Luke was just aware that they were tired. Maybe they didn't have the discipline to go to sleep when they needed to go to sleep. They were so excited about all the goings-on of the spread of the gospel. And so for that reason, for that lack of discipline, they, they couldn't keep their eyes open. Or, and this is my guess, Luke was pointing out that they were bored. You see, Luke knew that these three These apostles, they were practical men. They were all about getting the job done. If you've been watching the the online series, The Chosen, they they do such a good job, in particular pointing out how Peter was, you know, all about crowd control and about security and about transportation to the next location. But once they're there, you can imagine them saying, okay, Jesus, we got you to the top of the mountain. Now what? Oh, you're just going to pray for a while? Okay, in that case, maybe we'll get 40 winks. You got that on your own. You see, they're so practical, even what happens when they do awake is not to soak in the glory that's before them, but Peter starts coming up with other things to do. Whoa, what's going on? Okay, there's three of you. We messed up, we fell asleep, now what tents. We need tents. We'll set up tents and we'll be able to stay here and we'll be able to hold on to all the glory and uh, sell tickets and make a buck or something. It even says he didn't even know 
what he was saying. He was just trying. You ever feel that way? Like, I'm not sure what's going on in life. I just, I've got to do something. That's Peter. That's James. That's John here in this passage. But it isn't the Christian message. We're not, as brothers and sisters of the Lord, we're not all about moving on to the next thing as if we're just cogs in the wheel. We are human beings, not human doings. And yet, we can forget so quickly. It's what Abram learned, soon to be Abraham, in our first reading from Genesis. Look up at the sky, the Lord tells him. Count the number of stars if you can. Just so shall your descendants be. Now, Abram was an old man at this time. He had no children with his wife, Sarah. And yet the Lord was promising him descendants as numerous as the stars. How? How could that possibly be? That was surely not going to be something that Abram would do on his own, but that God was going to do for him. He's going to make descendants for Abram. And lest lest we think that it was dependent on Abram actually, actually counting the stars to prove his point, read closely that passage. Verse 12, we didn't see it in this passage that we were reading, but if you open your Bibles, verse 12 says this, As the sun was going down, Abram fell asleep. What? The sun was up. If it was about to go down, that means it was up. It was, how, how could he see any stars? He couldn't. That's the point. It's not an activity of futility of like, oh, I've got to count stars. That's a lot of busy work for me to do. No. Look up at the stars. Look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. You can't. There is no way for you to do that any more than there's a way to lift yourself up by the proverbial bootstraps. The Christian message is to trust, to be still, to hear the Lord say to us, I've got this. Trust in me. Some of us are good at doing so. Most of us, not so much. And regardless, trust we must. Yesterday, pointed out five great trusters. It was 400 years ago yesterday that the greatest canonization of the history of the church took place. In one ceremony, Pope Gregory XV, in the year 1622, declared the holiness of Ignatius of Loyola, Francis Xavier, Philip Neri, Teresa of Avila, and Isidore the farmer. A friend pointed it out this week, the significance of that. Yes, in part, the greatness of those five saints in the history of salvation. A founder of the Jesuits, the second greatest missionary after Paul, the reformer of Rome, the reformer of the Carmelites, and a doctor of the church, and, oh yes, a farmer. What significance, what diversity. It, it takes all kinds. 
And they did so many things, those five great saints, but for none of those things that they did was why they were canonized. But why? Because they knew of what we heard Paul speak of in the second reading. He tells us, he told them, he told, told, tells the whole world that our citizenship is in heaven. Yeah, we worry about so many things, it's true. But fellow citizens of heaven, how are we doing with that awareness? Are we going to miss the glory because we're so busy with so many other things? The second Sunday of Lent is a good chance for us to evaluate Lent and how it's going based on this gospel. Ask the divine physician, how am I doing with my exercise? How am I doing with my rest? Am I becoming like fat, lazy, former fishermen? No, Lent is not a season for exercise and diet primarily, but the fasting does help. And that awareness that we have to take care of this mortal coil of ours is important. Are we getting our rest? I know the time change stinks and we all seem to hate it. But are we still working to get those hours of sleep that we need and good hours, not falling asleep in front of the television or even more common today with a phone in our hand, but entering into the rest that the Lord gives us so that we're not drowsy through all the good parts of life. And most especially, evaluating how we're doing with our prayer. Do we still look at prayer the way Peter, James, and John did on the mountain, of wasted time, of impractical time? Or do we think of them, do we think of it as they did after Pentecost? Aware that, yes, we might be wasting time in the eyes of the world, but we're wasting time with the Lord, and that each of us needs it. Each of us needs that quiet, at least 10 minutes each day, resting with Him, trusting in Him. Our world needs the transfiguration, just as much as the apostles did so many years ago. We need to know of the glory of the Lord, and we don't want to sleep through it.